0: Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am, of course, your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about Bob Dylan's great little ditty, You Ain't Goin' Nowhere, is writer and obsessive Dylan fan. Obsessive? Is that the right word? Uh, Uh, (laughs) Fairly, fairly. Fairly obsessive Dylan fan, Dan Mm -hmm. Budnick. Dan,
1: thanks for doing the show. Oh, of course, Rob. It's it's great to be here. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Bob.
0: Awesome! Yeah, I was very excited. Dan was uh, one of the first commenters on one of the episodes, and he was like, "I'm a giant Dylan fan. I want to be on the show," and I love that because that's that's how I'm going to find people. It's people letting me know, uh, because of course, you know, all the other shows of the network are comic related, so Bob Dylan just does yes. not come up very much. So I have to yes. kind of find these people all on my own. Um, yeah
1: luckily there are some comic fans who enjoy Bob Dylan and uh luckily? that's whew, lucky for us. Yes.
0: And, uh let me before we start on you ain't going nowhere. Like what's your sort of history with Bob? When did you discover him? What's your whole have you seen him in concert? That that sort of thing?
1: Uh my my history with Bob is that um is is runs parallel with my history in listening to jazz music in that around 95-96 I kept buying Bob albums and random jazz albums and not really enjoying them. <laughs> And so so it was like, people would say, oh, Highway 61 Revisited. And I was like, all right. And I I bought it. I love Desolation Row every single second of that song. But the rest of the album didn't grab me. Hmm. At the same time, people said, "Buy Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, didn't do anything for me. Then I I think after Highway 61 Revisited, it was the Basement Tapes, which we'll be mentioning in a few minutes. And then Oh Mercy was the third one. And then finally what happened is I found um, somewhere in – Los Angeles. I was in a UCD store early ninety seven, and I found a cheap copy of Biograph on CD. Oh, that's good! Yeah, and I and I thought, here we go. I am trying this one, and I brought and I absolutely loved it. It was like, here we go, here it is. I've just been, I I needed a a broad overview, right, rather than um one specific album, and that pulled me in. And I just basically started with his first album and just started buying them. And I still don't have all of them yet, but but I have
0: oh, many. Which, which ones are missing? Which ones are not in the collection yet?
1: Uh, well, Planet Waves,
0: okay. is okay. one.
1: Um, under the Red Sky, okay. Some of the mid-'80s stuff. Oh, well, that, yeah.
0: <laughs> don't don't <laughs> be in not, any real hurry to pick up Empire for less.
1: Has <laughs> has not hit me. yet. Those are sort of the main ones okay. at the moment. <laughs> and I've never actually seen Bob in concert. Oh, okay. And I've, I've, right. I feel awful about that. But it's it's every time I hear about him in concert, it sounds like such a crapshoot that I'd kind of prefer to keep my memories of these songs rather than possibly – See him do a song, and I come back and listen to it later, and go, boy, remember when Bob did that to this song?
0: <laughs> remember when he murdered it? Yeah. Remember, remember when
1: that? he destroyed it? He could never hear it right again. So, so I'd like to, but I'm I'm a little reticent. I'm hoping someone will buy me a ticket and take uh, me. Okay. The, then I'll go. But so far, no one has.
0: Is your wife not listened to this? Does she not know? I mean, you must have said this to her at some point. <laughs> I have,
1: well, my wife's a huge Springsteen fan, as am I. Right. And we've seen Bruce twice together. Okay. Um, but I, I, I haven't been able to wrangle her to surprise me with pop tickets. Okay.
0: And it's it's funny. If you're a Springsteen fan, I mean, like, not this is not meant as criticism of either man. But it's like, if you're a Springsteen fan and you've seen Springsteen concerts... It would be tough to necessarily get the same charge out of a Dylan show because Springsteen mm-hmm. kind of wants to. I think Springsteen wants every fan to walk out of the stadium, yes, thrilled with yes. what they just saw. And if he has to sing for five hours, that's uh, what he's going to do. Yes, yeah. and Dylan is just like I don't care. Yes, <laughs> you know <laughs> that's, that's and there, there's something
1: about that that I, I love the thought of. But my sort of my wallet and my sort of my person ha- hasn't made it there yet. It's got to do, I got to do it soon, I think. But um, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit lax there, but I can, you know, listen to his, his albums such all day long. All right.
0: Well, that's excellent. That's perfect. So uh, yeah, anyways, we're going to get to You Ain't Going Nowhere. This was a song, of course, Bob uh, wrote uh, with the band when he was doing the basement tapes in the, uh, what would eventually be called the basement tapes in the mid sixties. And this was a song that, you know, like a lot of the basement tapes, Were picked up by other artists And just taken off And so it became I think a hit for other people Before anybody ever heard Dylan's version Because of course The basement tapes Weren't released until 1975 But then Bob himself re-recorded it Confusingly In in 1972 For Greatest Hits Volume 2 And that version Sounds nothing like The basement tapes version That version is done uh, With just him And his friend uh, Happy Trom Which is a great name uh, On banjo And it's that as much as i like the basement tapes version and i do mm. the version he does on greatest Hits volume two i would i firmly put on my top 10 all-time favorite oh, dylan wow. songs i mean it just it just is and we can get to the reasons for that in oh. a moment but we should start with the basement Tapes version so why uh like this was one of the songs you mentioned that you would like to talk about so, yes. so why is that
1: well um first off uh I first heard this song on "Sweetheart of the Rodeo," the Birds' album.
0: Right, right. I think they were like um, the first guys to cover it. I think
1: I believe so. Yeah, and and the interesting thing about their versions is they do that thing that the Birds do to most of their Bob covers is they make it catchy mm-hmm. and pop with the country edge to it, um, but they they make it feel like when you get to the end of it that it's almost like. It's like you've eaten a cream puff or something. There's like there's <laughs> there's like you've heard all these lyrics, but you're so busy. Da, 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 it's meant it hasn't meant anything. You know, sort of like okay. sort of like with Mr. Tambourine Man, when you hear their version and then you listen to Bob's, you're like, wow, I could listen to Bob do that. Sing that song for 30 minutes.
0: Yeah. Res- they're very people. starkly different, those two songs. Yes. Those two interpretations.
1: And, um, and the second time I heard. This song was actually in a movie, which I can mention later. It's it's not a well known movie, hmm. but I was uh, I'll I'll tell you about that in a few minutes. It got me curious.
0: But, I'm trying to think what. Oh, it? I,
1: I I can tell you what it is now, if you'd like. Yeah, what is it? It's it's called "Curse of the Headless Horseman." It's from 1971. It was made by a gentleman. Oh, I want to say his name was Len Kirkman. Why on earth did I write this down? Um, he it went out on a double feature with a movie called "Carnival of Blood." And Carnival of Blood is best known for having the first appearance by Burt Young, the first on-screen appearance by Burt Young from the Rocky films. And um, that, that double feature, it's kind of super low-budget kind of grindhouse horror. And uh, Curse the Headless Horseman is about a bunch of hippies that take over like an Old West attraction town <laughs> kind of thing. And it's okay. basically it – almo- it almost feels like it's like there are one or two actual proper actors – but everyone else sort of goes by their actual names in the movie. So it feels like the producer sent a bunch of his friends to this old West town and just had them goof around for... Eighty minutes, and then occasionally they throw in a headless horseman riding around.
0: Because I'm about to say, of course, a movie with the title "Curse of the Headless Horseman" would naturally be about hippies taking over it, a Western town. Exactly, and they go on, and they
1: do—they just goof around. But there's one sequence where the camera's up high, looking down on all of them going in separate directions, and in the background you hear a um, guitar starts to strum, and you—you um, you basically hear like a woman sort of doing not the best Joan Baez impersonation. <laughs> and she starts, you know, it's, clouds so swift, rain won't lift. You know, and she starts singing, and then she hits uh, You Ain't Going Nowhere. And I'm like, hey,
0: that's a Dylan song. What's that doing in here? Uh, you are completely flummoxing me. I've never heard of any of that. I heard of Carnival of Blood, but... I've literally never heard of this movie, and now I'm looking it up on IMDb. It just is totally new to me, and the fact that it features a this low rent movie features a Dylan cover like it's 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 almost you you'd almost miss it
1: when you because I I probably watched it it was maybe like the second time when I was like because my because literally it's hippies goofing around for about 40 minutes of the the first half of the movie, and then the song starts up, and they do change the lyric to Tomorrow's the day my man's gonna come.
0: Oh, I, I hate when they do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bob Bob hated it when uh, McGuinn screwed up his lyric. That, yeah. uh, luckily, he never heard the uh, Curse of the Headless Horseman version.
0: Wow! I, I...
1: It's basically, it's got like a hippie sing-along feel like they don't know what the song's about either, and they're just... They're all a little high, and they're just singing. And Unbelievable. It's, it's a stra- – I forget when it occurs in the movie. I should have written down the time on it. But you could – something weird released it on DVD with Carnival of Blood maybe in 2002. I think it might be still available.
0: If I can track this down, you are hereby booked for Film and Water podcasts because <laughs> –
1: That would be awesome. We could oh, do got- a double feature. Yeah. Carnival wow. of Blood, uh, my wife and a very good friend of mine were able to get me to a showing of that – uh, they actually kind of arranged the showing of that on a big screen for my 40th birthday.
0: Oh, oh my goodness, that's so, tremendous!
1: So that's that's a double feature that's close to my heart. But um, yeah, that's it's. Uh, oh but, the, yeah,
0: the, the poster it. has got a the headless a guy headless guy with a, a demon horse in a cemetery, yes. and he's holding a severed hippie head.
1: Yes, That is yes. All right,
0: I gotta try. All right, okay. Let's just put a note goodbye. That It's <laughs> so so right.
1: a Carnival of Blood.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And um, so, yeah, so that's the second place I heard it. And, <laughs> this and show then, has
0: not gone in the direction I thought it was.
1: I, I, I apologize. We, <laughs> no, no,
0: no. It's I'm, great.
1: <laughs> I'm right back in the basement now. <laughs> the, then I bought the basement tapes and I heard it on there. And I was like, oh, there's that song I keep hearing everywhere. And um, I, uh, it, it's, it's weird because I'm, I'm not a big fan of the band. Mm-hmm. I, I've tried numerous times and failed. And and the basement tapes I, I actually like the basement tapes when you listen to them chronologically and it sort of starts off almost I think one of the band members said this, like Bob doing like a musical history lesson.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And then and then as they go along, there are more and more Bob songs. Yeah. And I sort of love listening to it like that. Um but uh but there's sort of that, that thing where A lot of the sound of the basement tapes, like the music is played very almost quietly or or, um, not quietly, but um, uh, I'm not I'm not coming up with the word, but it never like goes. Well, Bob and his friend with the banjo sort of are more buoyant and loud. In the oh, band. it's
0: very laid back. Yeah, I mean, yes. every everybody here was stoned off their asses. Oh, yes. I mean, <laughs> they are flying high over the Rockies at every yeah. iteration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. None of them are. There isn't any real like leaning into the microphone. You really feel like they're all sitting down.
1: Yeah, maybe you know. there's one mic yeah. dangling in the middle yeah. of the, yep. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's and uh, so so it it takes me a while to sort of get into the basement tapes. Um, but uh, but yeah. yeah, I first heard you ain't going nowhere there, and I just um. The, the first thing that surprised me with the Basement Tapes version is that Bob speaks every verse instead of singing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of talks sings, in the, the Basement Tapes Yeah, tape and, one,
1: and, yeah. It, and it's funny because I kept listening to it waiting for him to sort of burst into the, you know, uh, uh, cloud so swift, rain won't lift kind of thing, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He's very much like, cloud so swift, rain won't lift. <laughs> and then you think, now how did McGuinn get that lyric wrong? Right. <laughs> and... And there's and, – and, and something I, I, uh, I did with the song, and I know um, on one of the past uh, Pod Dylan's, I think it was uh, Absolutely Sweet Marie. Okay, right. I think you guys discussed like not giving um, sort of firm interpretations to it and kind of leaving it loose. And so I thought, why don't I come up with a firm interpretation of it?
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And I, did, I came up with two. One my wife really loves – one, I, the other one I think works just as well, and I can give them to you real quick, or, or try to.
0: Go right ahead. Uh,
1: I, I think what it is, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding the lyrics in front of me, so I'm getting it here. Um, one of them is, is the obvious thing, that it is about a man in the wintertime, in the middle of nowhere, waiting for his bride to arrive the next day. Now, whether the bride is um, just on vacation and returning, from somewhere, whether they're getting married the next day or whether it's—I almost feel like it might be like a mail-order bride showing up on <laughs> a stagecoach or something.
0: <laughs> All um, of Bob's songs could possibly take place in the Old West. I yes, feel like yes, every one this, of them.
1: This one definitely feels like it might. Um, and now there there is a feeling in the first verse because it's cloud so swift, rain won't lift, gate won't close, railings froze. Get your mind off winter time; you ain't going nowhere. And then the the chorus is about his bride showing up tomorrow. Right. For, for a brief second, I think, could he be there with someone else then? Hmm. And, you know, like having one last fling
0: or something? Oh, boy. I've never... All the times I've listened to the song, I've never thought of that. Po-
1: possibly. But then I also thought maybe he's Because right after he says, you ain't going nowhere, background vocalists join him. And I think maybe he's talking to the band. Maybe he's saying, <laughs> hey, band, don't go anywhere. My bride's showing up tomorrow. And then join him <laughs> singing along. <laughs> um, the rest of the lyrics, I don't think, bear out that um, a fair thing. I don't think. Um, but but what what it sort of is is it it gets more sort of stream of consciousness. Oh yeah, and nuttier as it goes along.
0: Yeah, Genghis Khan makes an appearance. Genghis, in the song.
1: yes. And with the exception and and maybe when I'm done with this interpretation, you you can give me your thoughts on this. With the exception of the end of the fourth verse where things for two lines kind of go back to stopping stream of consciousness and almost become straightforward again.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: And so so the song is either about a guy who's super giddy about his love showing up the next day, and he tries to keep it under control, mainly by speaking all the verses, but his mind goes loopier and loopier, and he just starts free-associating, getting crazy. But when he gets to the chorus, he lets out a big woo-wee, and he kind of nails it again. (laughs) <laughs> and so so so, for that, that's one interpretation it's just it's simply a not a love song per se, but an i'm in love song mm-hmm, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of lo- losing my mind a little, and then the second interpretation, which is the one my wife loves, is that it is a man by himself in a cabin somewhere freezing to death
0: <laughs> and, and, you
1: ain't, and you ain't going nowhere <laughs> to himself.
0: Oh, okay. And yeah, continue.
1: <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, so so it's it's you ain't going nowhere. Get your mind off wintertime. You ain't going nowhere. Is sunk to himself in possibly like first stage hypothermia, <laughs> and so he breaks into this rousing chorus. But then, because it is a song, he has to return to a verse. But as each verse goes along, things get goofier and goofier. With one moment of clarity right at the end. Then the final chorus, and then it ends. And the thing about that that version is that version actually leads into the second version Bob did, so that's like part one of the interpretation. Wow! So there, there's those are my two. And can can I just discuss real quick that fourth verse with so, you?
0: Yes, absolutely, yes.
1: So it's Genghis Khan. He could not keep. And here's the point where you think he's either completely high on something or life, and his his wife is about to show up, or he's succumbing to something. Genghis Khan, he could not keep, all his kings supplied with sleep. We'll climb that hill no matter how steep when we get up to it. Now, first, he forgets to sing the, the title, You Ain't Going Nowhere. Right. T- to me, that almost looks like, and I, again, I mentioned this to my wife, and she looked at me like, no. But I I think there's something here, and Rob, feel free to say no. Um, I think what it is, is I... It's sort of that thing where if you're if you're talking to it's if you're talking to someone and you're saying something like um so I was I was going down the street and this guy pulled out and he almost hit me with his car and I yelled at him, "Hey you turkey? Uh, oh, you know what? We've got turkey pastrami in the fridge. I bought a pound of turkey." <laughs> that that's what that verse feels like to me. It it feels like he's he's free associating Genghis Khan could not keep all his kings supplied with sleep and then somewhere in there Maybe, and here's where my wife gave me the shake of the head, maybe his wife has insomnia. (laughs) And when he accidentally sang that line, he realized that's something they have to deal with. So in the last two lines, he suddenly becomes very serious. We'll climb that hill, honey. No no matter how steep, and we get up to it, babe. You know, when you get here, if you can't sleep, we're going to work on it. And I'm sorry, singing about Genghis Khan not helping his general sleep was inappropriate. Or something like that, you know. Wow. But that one may be a no. But I was just trying to figure out why he didn't sing the the line. Nah, it's just it's just Bob having fun. I All know, right. but uh, I thought, why not?
0: Wow. Uh, the best thing about Dylan is I think that if you were lucky enough to present both those ideas to Bob, he would say you're yeah. you're right. Both are right. Yes, he would just
1: or, or tell me to leave the room. One of the two. I, I think
0: I think more likely he would like that. He would like that interpretation. He would like that level of interpretation for the song. I think he would be impressed. I, I, again, I honestly think he'd say you both are right. Your wife is right, and you're right. Uh, he oh. would he would he would refuse to give you any definitive answer. Yeah, uh, so... Wow, I you know I feel a little ashamed because I've been listening to this song for 20 years and I've never put that much thought into it. I really I, haven't. Uh. <laughs> I thought
1: and, – and, and real quick uh, – I'm, I'm sorry. One of the one of my problems on the podcast I'm on is I use the term real quick a lot. <laughs> and usually if I say real quick, it's going to take a minute. Right. But in the Sweetheart of the Rodeo booklet for the deluxe edition, there's a sentence in here that says, a um, uh, guy goes into a studio to play with the birds. The song was Bob Dylan's You Ain't Going Nowhere, a gem of devilish non sequitur and – hobo on we <laughs> That's a great phrase
0: hobo that, on we
1: That is a great phrase could it be a hobo freezing to death somewhere possibly because that's the same year that last of the american hobos came out the semi documentary on hmm. hobos by titus moody and i i don't know if that's... i i've never heard the term hobo on we
0: no no <laughs> those two words have never been paired up together <laughs> in any sort of sense uh, but I, um, wow uh yeah, I mean, look, my interpretation of this, as much as it is, has always been fairly straightforward, is that this is Bob at the peak of his happiness yes. uh, in terms of when he recorded it. He was – he, of course, he's post-motorcycle accident, so he's out of his contract. He's holed up in Woodstock with the band. He's got – he's with Sarah. They are popping kids out. Left and right, <laughs> uh, he's just having a good time, and this is, you know, for all of Dylan's seriousness and his, you know, times they are changing, and you know, lonesome death of Hattie Carroll. When he's having fun, he's incredibly fun. charming, mm-hmm. and and here he's just—I feel like this is a guy. This is one of those songs where it's the guy talking. He's in first person, and then he's talking to himself. And it, and it mm-hmm. shifts just arbitrarily. But this is a guy who, yeah, he's waiting for his bride. And whether he's married to her already or she, she's coming and he's going to be his bride, I, that I don't know. But he's just happy. He's just woo yeah. ride me high. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the reason I love the... Uh, greatest Hits version, uh, so much is because again, the performance is so exuberant, and he gets in a ding at McGuinn in, in that version. Yeah, yes, which where is Where he awesome. says, Pack up your tent, McGuinn, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> um, but I, I, the exuberance of it is so, to me, so infectious, and the lyrics so simple that this is the song I have used for people who kind of want to dismiss Dylan by complimenting him by saying, Well, he's a great songwriter. And, sure, yeah. and you're like, Well, no, wait, well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I've played this because I say, to me, this song means so much to me because of the musical performance, not because the lines are particular. I mean, Mm -hmm. Clouds Will Swift, Rain Won't Lift, Gate Won't Close, Railings, Froze is hardly – Desolation Row Yes yeah. uh, So But but that doesn't mean It's bad or worse Or anything It's just a different approach And I love the simplicity Of it And especially again The the Greatest hits Volume 2 version He sings even more Nonsense stuff Where he talks yeah, about The uh, a, a, gonna... a fish that talks And a, what is it a, a, a fish that walks And a dog a do- that talks A fish that walks And a dog that talks I mean it's just gibberish Really mm. But it's, it's He's so happy about he's he's either he's happy or he's channeling a guy who's yes. so happy that his bride is coming mm-hmm. that he's just he, he's just talking not and, and I think that dovetails back into what you're talking about which is the stream of consciousness mm-hmm. you know so in in my version the guy's not slowly dying of hypothermia he's just well, really happy <laughs>
1: he's he's uh, well I, there there is when I if I uh, when we get to the properly to the 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 are are we at the greatest hits version yet? I, I think we are maybe at this
0: point, yeah. Okay
1: cuz I can um uh, yeah cuz the the joy of the greatest hits cuz I've had them on a playlist the two of them for the past week and wow. I just hit play and I listen to them over and over again and there is like a feeling of um like a curtain being pulled away and the sun shines in mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know like you're or sort of like um to not to use another film reference but have you ever seen to catch a thief? Oh sure. There's the scene where, I think it's the Catch a Thief, if I get the movie wrong. There's a scene where, like, um, the, your Cary Grant's, like, house in, like, the French Riviera or something like that. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it in a while. Yes, yeah. And and it's like, you get sort of over-the-shoulder Cary Grant, the guy who's talking to him, and you see, like, a wall behind him, like a kitchen or something. But then when it goes over the guy's shoulder, you see, like, Cary sitting in front of a window that has the entire French Riviera Yes,
0: yeah, him. yeah, they're having breakfast. Yeah, and yes, the view and, of his, por- off his porch is just unbelievable.
1: And it, it's one of those great moments where it's like, the first thing you see is the wall behind this one guy. Then when it cuts to gr- uh, Carry, he has the entire world behind him, yeah, and, and that's sort of the difference between these these two versions is is yeah, the basement tapes sound like it was recorded in a basement, whereas the greatest hits version whew, the curtains fly open, the sun shines in, and even though there's probably half the instrumentation. It's so buoyant.
0: Oh, yeah. Happy Trump's banjo is just chunk a chunk and It just peppers the song with such an energy. And he, he just sounds like he's having such a great time. Yeah. I mean, just that, that, again, that's something that's so infectious. And, you know, going back to what you were talking about earlier about never having seen Dylan because you're a little afraid, I totally get that. And there have been moments where I'm like, why is Bob doing that to that song? Why, <laughs> why, why is he kick? why is he putting his boot on the neck of that song? And then there's other moments where he seems so happy – Mm-hmm. That it is just it is unbelievable. I mean, there was a there was a, a time I saw him in concert where he just cracked a smile. He mm-hmm. just cracked this little smile, and the crowd lit up oh, because they could see it. Uh-huh. You know, and you were just like you would just want him to be happy because you're like yes, yeah. you're Bob Dylan. Yeah, you brought you really us so much happy, joy, dude. Yeah, like you know, well. like, yeah, this is great. So just those mom- those brief moments, and so this is one of those songs where I just feel like. Okay, 72, his marriage was still going well. You know, everything was reasonably good. And he just sounds like he's just like, let's just – let's just. Ba-. And plus, because this was a song that most people didn't know, mm-hmm. I felt like he was rediscovering it himself. Like he was like, right, yeah. did I write that? I wrote that five yeah. years ago. Oh, hey, let's do this one. You know? It just has that feel to it. And so did the other songs because there's a couple others mm-hmm. uh, on that Greatest Hits album. And yeah, it's just it, – it that uh, – Early on, as soon as I heard that version, it just lodged itself as like that's top ten material for me, and it's never left. I, yeah. I, thousands of songs later, it's never left, and I still love the hell out of it. And uh, like I said, it's just it's just a great simple song. And uh, I generally don't talk about covers on the show because you know there's uh, enough. To, oh sure, yeah, enough to talk too. about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Dylan, I will say though, and I've mentioned this, I think I mentioned this on the Blood on the Tracks episode of Long Play that I did with Bob Fisher, that the cover of this. Uh, That was done at the 30th anniversary concert, which I was at, which I have to always mention, thanks to executive producer Daniel Ace Gutierrez. It makes fun of me because I always (laughs) mention it. But the the cover of that that was done by Roseanne Cash, Mary Chapin Carpenter, and Sean Colvin was my favorite song coming out of that concert, my favorite cover. Because they do such a beautiful – and it's happy. It's just Mm -hmm. upbeat, and they don't change the words. They sing Bride. Oh, okay. For the love of Pete, everybody calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: Well, these um, were, this This sounded like an old hippie from 71 who'd probably been a hippie since like the 40s yeah. or something. Yeah, if that's absolutely. Possible.
0: But I mean, so it's like, to me, it's like every time I hear somebody do the song, if they nail that sense of, happy energy yes i just get into it and i'm just Mm -hmm. like yeah i'm with it so yeah this is i I just i love the crap out of the song
1: (laughs) yeah oh no it's fantastic it's it's i i i adore it i it i i have i have the second part of my hypothermia uh (laughs) explanation no and this is just basically it's that point where you're you're sort of your your body is given out to the cold and your mind is just it floating away, almost sort of in a strange ecstasy. Oh, I've heard that. Spotlights. Yeah, they say that
0: about a, about hypothermia—that your you your body starts, te- your mind starts telling your body that you don't mind what's happening to it.
1: Yes, and you and give that, and, you
0: give into it. Yeah, and
1: that's and this is basically the same guy who sung the first song, but forgetting all the lyrics,
0: <laughs>
1: and and not only that, but like you know, like the, um, you know, like the first verse has bits from the first verse. And the second verse and the fourth verse in it, so it's like he's his mind is going and he's jumbling everything, and he's even forgot to sing a fourth verse. There's no fourth <laughs> verse in this version, and so so that's sort of what it is. It's 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 beautiful, kind of fa- you know. If you're going to fade away, why not fade away singing this song?
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: I also and, feel. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I I had, I had I'm sorry. I had one more interpretation, which is actually a more literal one, I think. All right. Play it and on. that's. And that is, the thing about the first verse is he does he does say, uh, "Pack up your money, pull up your tent, McGuinn. And for some reason, <laughs> I I never knew what that what he was saying. I thought he was saying like a like um like a uh, like a uh, like um. Sort of a term of endearment. I didn't know what that word was. I, for some reason it didn't click with me. So it was like pack your money, pull up your tent, McGwin. You know, it was like oh, you he, think he was
0: somebody like, calling somebody a McGwin as opposed to yeah, literally like, using the name? I say okay. yeah,
1: and and so and then I realized that he's taken the first verse and made the entire first verse, with the exception of the last line, rhyme with McGuinn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so when so when he throws that in at the end, he he's planned that, or at least. He planned it when he started singing three lines ago. Uh, but but there there was a plan behind that, and then and then I thought, could it have something to do? Oh, and real quick, the second verse. Yeah, I did it you again. You said I,
0: it real quick. I heard it.
1: I'm, I'm so sorry. I got to write it down. Um, the, the first verse begins with Genghis Khan and his brother Don.
0: Yeah, I know. Historical yeah.
1: fact: Genghis Khan did not have a brother named Don.
0: I didn't think so. I didn't think there was a Don Khan somewhere in history Wouldn't
1: that be great, Don Khan I'd like to think Don Khan is the name of the guy who's dying of hypothermia
0: Genghis's lesser known, less (laughs) renowned less bloodthirsty brother
1: He was the CPA for all the marauders (laughs) Uh, And I I think, I I always thought one, Bob's having a lot of fun seeing this and two, I'm also wondering since he references McGuinn there, if he's kind of Slightly picking on people who have covered his songs and done something wrong in it that he didn't like.
0: I do feel like it's a little bit of a a elbow to the ribs kind of thing. It's it's sort of yeah. He's
1: he's deliberately gone in there and sung almost all the wrong words to this song. Yeah, (laughs) and just to sort of say, hey, look, I did it wrong, but my song's a thousand times better than you do when you almost did it right. Not that he would say. Well, he might say that. I don't he might. Know. I he he sometimes.
0: Yeah, could possibly. Yeah. Uh, the but other, that was my other thought. On it's it. very interesting. I like all the. You came to play, man. I appreciate this. I mean, I. I, <laughs> I mean, this is a very short song. It's a very simple song. I really didn't think we would get thirty-two minutes out of you. and like, going nowhere. <laughs>
1: well, I. You know what it is. I was. I was hurt back in college by. I took a poetry course, and we were told to write a five-page paper giving our interpretation of any poem we wanted. So okay. I chose The Red Wheelbarrow by William okay. Carlos Williams, okay. which is 15 words, 20 words, I forget how many, just to challenge myself. Wow. And I got back the paper from the professor and I got a C-. And at the bottom he wrote, this interpretation is wrong. Please read William Carlos Williams' autobiography. Oh, and I went up to him and said, what are you talking about? I thought this was meant to be my own interpretation. And he looked at me and said, you got it wrong. And I looked at him and I said, it's too late for me to drop this class, isn't it? And he said, yes, it is. <laughs> and so when I got the chance to look at a song that is fairly simplistic at its, just at its base, I thought I'd go a little overboard.
0: You know. I did, tremendous, Daniel. Tremendous. Awesome. I, 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 for everybody, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. And Daniel, uh, the first song Daniel suggested that we talk about was Desolation Row. Yes. And I'm now thinking of, okay, we've gotten 30 minutes out of You Ain't Going Nowhere. What the hell would the show be if we do Desolation <laughs> Row? I would have to. I don't it would know. Be the, uh... The, have, the Fire
1: and Water, your your 50th show. I, yeah, I would have to like have four like four and a half hours. I
0: would have to have like food sent in because <laughs> I'm, it's going to go on for so long. It's going to be like a PBS pledge drive. All right. The very last thing I will say about you ain't going nowhere just because I, I, I want to get some level of like I thought about this more than two seconds. That way I don't embarrass myself is it does – I love the sense of of, of place and that again – and it works if you – Don't know it, but it also, I think it works better if you do know the situation Dylan was in. Mm -hmm. When he wrote the, the bit about, I don't care how many letters they sent, morning came and morning went. Pick up your money and pack up your tent. To me, that is, he is talking to both his record company, who were, I think, constantly besieging him to get back into the studio. And you imagine it was probably done via phone call and letter. So that I always took as that's, so, that's a Columbia record saying, when are you going to record again? And he's yeah. like, I don't care how many letters they send. Morning came, morning, I don't care. And then the bit about pack up, pick up your money, pack up your tent. We also know that his home in Woodstock was besieged by hippies. Uh, oh, I mean, there's a, there's a famous story where he came home to find a hippie couple having sex in his bed. <laughs> And, I've never heard that one. But yeah, that's yeah, hilarious. And, and that's got to be pretty upsetting, just aside from the cleanliness part of it. But just get out of my. What are you doing? And so, I mean, the whole reason Woodstock took place in Woodstock is because it was done in Dylan's backyard. They thought they could get Dylan to the show because they're like, "Well, he's right here," and he didn't do it. And so, I got the sense that a, pick up your money, pack up your tent, is telling the hippies, "You, to you're, hit the you're, road. you're, yeah, hit the road. You're coming here to get something out of me, and I don't want to give it to you." Mm-hmm. So pack up your tent And get out of here And that to me is, is that a little bit of that in there It's yeah, like it. I, I want to hold up here With my wife and my kids Record company can wait The hippies kiss <laughs> off yeah, and
1: he's in the basement playing Hank Williams songs. Exactly, with the, the band. he's so down like, there
0: playing there with the band. Absolutely. So, oh, the hippies! Yeah, oh, oh, the hippies. Those darn, yeah,
1: those darn hippies.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the reason why the band album is called "The Music from Big Pink" is because the hmm. house that they recorded in was a giant pig house, and it was it was <laughs> yeah. known as the Hormone House because there was so much sex going on in it. So <laughs> they were having a lot of fun in the, they the, were. In the basement tapes era. They really <laughs> were. So. Anyway, that is you ain't going nowhere. Anybody, you can listen to it. It's, you're gonna hear a little bit of of both versions at the end here. I just love it. Uh, I, Daniel. Yes. Man, impressive. Oh, thank you, sir. Impressive. You You really, really came to play. So thank you so much for coming on. Of course. I really enjoyed this. This was really fun. Where can uh, people find you on the internet if they want to hear more of your crazy theories about that? Well,
1: I I will start with, uh, I'm on Twitter, DannySlacks1, S-L-A-C-K-S, Slacks. Facebook, Daniel R. Budnick. I'm on two podcasts. One is called Podcast Mania. Which is ostensibly a horror podcast, but a lot of times we go off on tangents. I'm on another podcast that I co-host, um, called Made for TV Mayhem. Uh, which is where we discuss made-for-tv movies. Oh, that's um, fun. It is a lot of fun, yeah. The um our most recent episode we discussed uh the Night Stalker and the Norless tapes. <laughs> okay. Uh, which are a lot a lot of fun. Um and um I My writing at this moment, I have a blog called Some Polish American Guy Reviews Things, (laughs) and it's polishamericanguyreviews.blogspot.com. I am currently in the midst of reviewing episode-by-episode season two of BJ and the Bear. And yes, (laughs) yes, BJ and the Bear fans, when we get to the (laughs) three-part crossover with Sheriff Lobo, (laughs) those episodes will be covered too. Uh, Uh... If if you go on bleedingskull.com, which is a horror – Uh, website. Uh, I wrote for that for many years, and um, it's a wonderful website. You should read everything on it, but if you search Dan Budnick, B-U-D-N-I-K, you'll find 30 or 40 of my reviews, and the man who runs the site, Joseph A. Ziemba, and myself wrote a book that was published in late 2013 called Bleeding Skull, a 1980s Trash Horror Odyssey, which I also recommend, and my second book is with the publisher now, and it's on 80s action films, and it should be a good time.
0: I, that all sounds tremendous That really does That's oh, great thanks. Yeah I, The BJ and the Bear stuff That is your, Okay It's gonna be a uh, good
1: I'm time nervous. Hey Greg Evigan retweeted me When I Wow Season one So <laughs> it was like
0: It was Yes Yes
1: That's Jumping crazy. around my living room Yelling at my dogs <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. Uh, okay. I can't add to that really. So if you want to follow uh, this show, you can go to Twitter. It's pod underscore Dylan. You can go to the website, which is, of course, finewaterpodcast.com. And you can leave a comment over on the contact page or on the individual episode, uh, episode threads. So uh, again, Dan, thank you for doing the show, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Rob. I, 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 uh, it was great fun. Awesome.
0: Uh, again, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. And until then, uh, you know what? I still don't have a, a, an end phrase. <laughs> I haven't come up with anything yet. So we'll see everybody next week. Bye. so <laughs> oh, swift, rain won't lift, gate won't close, Ratings froze. Get your mind off winter time. You ain't going. Be that stings, a sky that cries, and a bird that flies, a fish that walks, and a dog that talks. Oh, we ride behind. Tomorrow's a day that my brides are going to.